Hey, this is Alan McGuire, humor editor of Headstuff.org. Um, this is Juvenalia, a podcast about childish things. My guest host today is the star of episode one of Juvenalia, and author and writer and loads of stuff, Sarah Griffin. Hey, Sarah. How's it going, Alan? Good. And our guest today is deputy editor of Stunner Magazine and internet person, Jean Sutton. <laughs> Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Good. So you're going to talk to us about Beauty and the Beast today. Yeah, I'm going to talk to you about the Disney movie from 1991. Yeah, not the musical uh, from 1987. 1997, what 1987, one? 1987, Miranda Richardson. Oh, is yeah. that the one with Rebecca De Mornay? Possibly. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah. We'll that one's the, actually really good. Is it? Is that yeah. one kind of the sexy one? See, there is a weird... There, there's a lot of very sexy ones. Good, well, yeah. This one is Disney, so it's, <laughs> it's like, like... not sexy. It's like cute. Yeah, it's cutesy. Romantic. But yeah. like, there was one recently with Vincent Cassell from 2014, and that's definitely a bit like bestiality creepy yeah. there's a line beast looking at her a mm. lot I mean, it, well, it is a Vincent Cassell movie so, so there's a lot of like staring <laughs> a lot of staring <laughs> yeah not so um, much staring in the Disney one though yeah the Disney one's pretty PG PG solid like PG. probably below PG yeah yeah. You know, Gaston's G. quite menacing at times yeah we'll get to him though we'll come yeah we'll get, get to him okay. I will get to him I yeah. have notes on Gaston <laughs> yeah. and where he fits in like the whole 2016 entitled male culture yeah, biz. it's big yeah. Um, so how old were you when you first saw it like it came out in 1991 the cinema so I didn't go see in the cinema because I would have been two at the time and that's yeah. the age like your mother doesn't bring you out in the 90s women didn't bring their kids out of the house before they were five I think no not like now it's like buggies at dawn (laughs) (laughs) which I have nothing against except when someone's behind me with a buggy and they start coughing like like they're treating me like a rude toddler yoga you need to move you need to get out yeah and you're like I don't have eyes in the back of my head but I appreciate it's really hard for you to carry a buggy and a child and everything and I'm sorry I was in the way (laughs) but But I didn't know I was in the way yeah (laughs) so my mom, I remember my mom coming home with the VHS of it from Dublin, or she was away in Limerick or Dublin for the day, and she came home in the evening in our living room, and she got Beauty and the Beast on tape. So it must have been 1992 or something, or 93. So That's I the room when I saw it as well, yeah. Yeah, so I would have been t- three or something at the time. Okay. And just so listeners know, I don't pronounce THs. I don't know why, this is a non-TH podcast. Non-TH. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up in Tipperary, and my accent is still there. Good. So, yeah, I Rightly know, I'm so. proud of that, only... I just, I just didn't pronounce the TH there. Yeah. Um, so my mum came home with it and I remember watching it and we went to see a Disney on Ice as well. Oh, wow. Like when, 94, 95, that like started. My wife was at that. At the same one? Yeah, she has a chip mug. I was about to ask about the mug because my best friend had the mug. <laughs> I have a mug story. Oh, oh my God, guys, lads now. This is <laughs> so I remember like in my primary school, you used to leave your lunchbox outside in the hall for some reason. Yeah. It was a primary school, so there was like three okay. classrooms. And I just remember you go to the bathroom and you come back and you'd see this one person at a lunchbox on top of it. They always had the chip mug. Oh. And like at the time, I really wanted to steal oh. it, but I didn't. But yeah. like, because I'd say like it was probably legal back then to go through your school bag. Now as a kid, you'd be like, oh, you need a warrant for that. <laughs> but at the time I was like, I really want to steal that mug. And I forget who had it, but I was so jealous of them. Because I didn't have now? the mug. I bet they don't even care about that mug now. If you yeah, had like, that mug, you'd still have it. It, yeah, it would be at home. The chip in it would be like there because it had a chip. You might have a candle in it. It might be like a proper relic, you know, like a real souvenir. I'd probably just keep like old Irish coins in it. Oh, Pre-Euro yeah. coins or I something. I can see it. I hope it's keeping pre-Euro coins somewhere, wherever it is. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was my history with it. And um, I would have watched it growing up. It was like my mum loved the movie. 
Mm. And like she always told us like the fact it was the first animated movie to get nominated for a best picture and stuff oh. like that. Lots of sounds of the lambs. That's <laughs> 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 it's more it was that um <laughs> Prince of Tides and Bugsy were the other films. So lots of sounds of the lambs. <sighs> which now Robs. kind of yeah, Robs. it's hard to know which one was better. Prince of, Prince of Tides is a strange film and a very it. strange book. Have you ever no. seen No, it? it's Barbara Streisand, right? Barbara oh, Streisand yeah. plays a psychologist, psychiatrist and Nick Nolte or Jeff Bridges plays a guy who like has to uncover his childhood demons and it involves like North or South Carolina landscapes and there's like it's just like it's Barbara gunning for an Oscar kind Is she of thing. She does a song for it I think but I remember mm. I read the book years ago and like it was way too old for me to read. Those are the best <laughs> books to read though. It's like this is five years out of what I should be looking at yeah. but here I am. But it's so early 90s like oh, it's, it's probably late 80s written but it's that whole like psychoanalysis is like the best thing to happen to films kind of vibe. It's <laughs> so bad. But uh, yeah, so grew up with that. And the reason I picked it for the podcast is because it's a love story and romance. And I am a mad into romances. Like it's, I read about two romances a week. Really? I can, yeah, I like, um, like people mock Mills and Boons and Harlequin. Yeah, I buy those. Good. That's you. Keep yeah, laughing. that's me. I'm <laughs> that, but I don't like buy them in Tesco. I'm like online, they're cheaper. Hmm. And also take up less space in my house. I'm a Kindle reader. I was okay. in the shop yesterday and I bought The Class by Sloane Crosley, I think is her name. And I said it's the woman at the table. I was like, oh, this is a lovely book cover. And she was like, it's all part of the reading experience. And I was like, oh. I understand how books operate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and, but I was like, oh, well, I just read a lot of things on digital. So I never really noticed the cover. And she was like, I just wouldn't do that. And it was judging me. And I'm like. Nah, bad books are behavior. No, no. Yeah. yeah. Digital books and traditional paper books can exist side by side. They, they are not eliminating mm. one another. People will always want the physical experience. People will always now go for the, the more digital experience as well because it's more useful. Books are large. If you read a lot, books take up a lot if of space. If you go anywhere, if you go on holidays and yeah. you bring a crap book, Good you're luck. stuck with it. Like, like I regret yeah. buying the Goldfinch in hardback. The size Ooh, of that book. That is a big book. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know why I did. I mean, but how are you meant to sit? You're not really going to sit there on the train and kind of just put it on your leg and then like warm up and use your bicep to open <laughs> it halfway through. Like it's, uh, I remember when it came out in hardback and in America it takes the, it comes out in hardback and then a year later it releases in paperback. And I watched people kind of drag it up to the counter and go, ugh, when's it out in paperback? It's the same at Eleanor Catton's The Luminaries. You're like, that book is, yeah. that's too big too to big. not go digital with. But that's fine, as long as you're reading them. You know, as yeah. long as you're reading you them, that's read the You can read hard books at home, really. I remember I read Infinite Jest one summer on buses and I was, I was carrying it around for four months and I actually had, like, damaged my shoulder from a carrying Infinite Jest. My special my David Foster Wallace shoulder knot, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I have one of those too, but I think it's more like <laughs> systemic yeah. shoulder knot from... Yes, yeah, so I think carrying like big books like that around is like, you're just asking for like, oh, look at the book she's reading. Mm. Yeah. It's yeah. No, like there's a lot Instagram of books, that's what I'll call them. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I read romance novels and like they kind of have, a lot of them have terrible covers as well. So bodice rippers, right? Yeah. Well, they're more like now they're all like, they're not so much bodice rippers now because all the historical novels have become kind of a bit more conscious of like the fact that the English British Empire was a pretty bad thing. Yes. So <laughs> they're not so much like they're, those kind of books have like, there's no longer like a guy ripping a girl's dress off with a boat in the background. Um, <laughs> it's more holding now on those covers. Yeah, there's a lot of holding, yeah. a lot of aftercare. Teen, my sign is now. But like the modern romance novels are all like just like really metrosexual businessmen in their suits. 
like you know that whole it's like posts Fifty Shades of Grey yeah there's a lot of like he's got beer scruff but he's also a CEO like cutting deals and yikes yeah Mm. has like houses in Aspen and Georgia and places that's the whole vibe in them now and I just would I'd probably feel a bit weird carrying them around just like Instagram this (laughs) yeah like Kindles have definitely like nurtured my love of reading romance yeah because the privacy that permits you is really interesting as well because like the object of the book is meant to be looked at and it's like it's it's fetishized as well you know and the idea that you're like look at my beautiful book look how smart I am look how clever yeah. my book is but that's also nothing to do with anybody else like you remove the fe- if you defetishize the novel and you just experience the text within your kindle then isn't that in a way kind of a more true read i don't know i i have a lot of feelings about that that's sort of the true reading of things and yeah. the performance of reading and the performance of being a reader and reading off a kindle completely eliminates the performance because no one knows what you're reading and you're refusing to sort of buy into that the book snob culture so there's a lot of layers and there's a lot of things that go back and forth there I think about the whole book snob culture as well is Instagram is not helping no because people are like oh I've bought like five hardbacks and oh, one of them that. is I'm a theory book yeah. <laughs> hashtag I don't, I don't book I do it too I do yeah. it too but like I'm also like I see people like particular books and I'm like oh my god I have no interest in reading that but everyone's reading it should I read it because everyone's like, this is such an excellent book or I had to read this and I'm like I hate theory books anything with theory and I'm just like no school no school yeah. no um, Wikipedia that for me please Cliff's Notes that's yeah. grand I want to read the intro there yeah like, I feel bad that the only like feminist books I've actually re- properly read are like Roxane Gay and Catelyn Moran well Gay is amazing they're yeah. good yeah. books but yeah. also like I did feminist I did gender studies when I was in Canada for a while I did a class in it and I did all the theory and I don't remember any of the theory and I don't think it made me a better feminist mm. I think yeah. there are ways Just to maybe it, Feminist like, with a better vocabulary. But. Yeah, I mean, you, you pick up a couple of words, but I think reading people like Morin and um, and Gay is, is useful because it contextualizes the work. You know, it's like, yeah, here is a literal active context for this stuff. It's much more human. And Callum Moran did open up a lot of conversations. I can know yeah. some people find her problematic, is the word. Your fave is problematic. <laughs> yeah. Everyone is problematic. Newsflash. Everyone is problematic. No one is perfect. But like she got people writing about it. Like I know it was predominantly white people. That's an issue. But yeah. it did open up conversations. Like, the criticism true. of her has opened up conversations as it well. It has. And that generates more voices. And, you know, she's going to... the the. the Populist like kind of writers will always take a lot more flack, and no one can be all things to all people. Like no. a la Lena Dunham, where the main the main problem with Lena Dunham is is only one Lena Dunham. You know, there should be sixteen yeah. people wi- women in her position. And, I really uh, like Lena Dunham lately because I wasn't a fan of the first few series of girl, girls, but now I'm into her because then she's kind of doing her own thing. I'm keeping an eye on her. You know, yeah. I'm glad she's there. I'm glad she's there doing the work. So, romance novels. Romance, romance novels. <laughs> yeah. So Beauty and the Beast is like the kind of it's such a big story and trope in it all. And that's what kind of draws me. I think Disney movies drew me to that kind of that whole, I love stories with romances in them. If a movie doesn't have a romance in it, I'm just there like, why am I here? Where is the smooching? Yeah. I need the smooching immediately. Like what yeah. was that movie about the banking, the Ryan Gosling one there recently? Oh, the big, big, the short, big short. short. I'm like, yeah, I'm learning about mortgages, but... Margaret Robbie in the bath. Yeah. <laughs> You had Margot Robbie in a movie and no one fell in love with her. At least one of these businessmen needs to be kissing another businessman. Where is this mooching? <laughs> like, there could have been an office romance here. You know. Nada. Nothing. Yeah, so we have Marissa Tomei just like rubbing Steve Carell's back. <laughs> That's as close as you got. I'm glad you remember that though. Yeah. Like, and no one fell. They went down to Florida and no one fell in love with a stripper. I was just like, okay. <sighs> yeah. I'm out. <laughs> Probably never going to have a mortgage now I know all this. Great. <laughs> 
It's like I get like really angry if there's not a romance in the movie. Like I'm just like even to my boyfriend picking up movies, I'm like, is there a romance in this? Or is it kissing? Yeah, yeah. So I'm like obsessed with love stories, even though like I'm very mild in real life and not at all histrionic. <laughs> it's like so, Beauty and Beast is it? Do you think it's a classic love story or is it like? Um, well, like he does change at the end. Like physically, he changes, and he also changes, you know, in his heart. In, so his, like, in his in his in his soul, he has changed. And Belle is, you know, she's she's a bit helpless, to be honest. Looking back on when I'm older, and you do see like the problematic, the whole Stockholm syndrome romance thing. Yeah, yeah. that's real. <laughs> like that is real talk. Like if you're doing the beast, I think like Emma Watson's going to make it, remake it now. It's out next year. Yeah, but I think like. If I was Belle and Beauty and the Beast, like I would not tr- stop trying to escape that castle. I think. Yeah. And like she just like stays and just shows you know, up for dinner, and it's like I'm kind of not sure I would try to escape. I'd be like, this gaff is huge. There are loads of talking furniture. Everyone is singing at me all the time, and it is appropriate for me to sing back. <laughs> Look at all these bomb ass clothes I get to wear. There is a giant thing that wants to talk to me. My village is full of dopes. I'm gonna go to- <laughs> I can go back to my village and talk to the saps or I can go and hang around this giant castle with cool talking furniture and like a big a, beast. Like, and I think the story library as well. Uh, and the most amazing sweeping yeah. library. In like, animation, that library looks dangerous though. Like it is very mm. tall. Yo, I want dangerous libraries. I want to hurt. My, I will hurt myself climbing up there. You yeah, know? she looks like they got bored drawing it because there's stairs for the first one. And then they just go, okay, there's books. That's well, they just yeah. like, the ladder. <laughs> and you're like, no one's going to climb a ladder that begins in the middle of a wall. Bell might real bored. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing else to do. So like, there are elements where like the beast is like scary in it, and Belle's just, like shows up for dinner, and it's just, like I would be like. Trying to find a phone. <laughs> where is my phone? Just be like, why, I, why has my father not invented a phone yet? Like, come on. So, like, it is a typical love story, but like looking back and when you're older, like you do like see the whole keeping someone captive is a bit weird. Yeah, like why does he want a captain in the first place? Because he didn't even want a woman. He just wanted to keep her father first. So it's like, what's your plan with this man? Yeah, so this he old didn't dying do, man in your I think that he sees Belle and like sees her in the like in the light because she is really good looking yeah. and he's like probably oh I'll keep her then which is problematic as we've said before problematic yeah. Disney problematic. movies your favourites your favourites are full of problems guys <laughs> they're all problematic I love though. them though oh, like, I mean them, yeah. like you, ca- you can't you have to look it in the eye and kind of go I, I see here that there are problems but also these are some excellent songs so I'm going to stick around I love Beauty and the Beast it's one of my fav- massive childhood favourites one well. of my favourite Disney movies so I don't think it's as problematic as the rest of them. I hate using that word. <laughs> but uh, we're going to start like we should start like a, sword, like, a, a, like, a, like a swear jar for problematic yeah. and we'll put a euro in each time we say it. Uh, I love Hercules. Oh my God. Yeah. Hercules is is literally perfect. Hercules I only saw incredible. it for the first time last year. Oh, it's banger after banger after banger. It's just I the best song. I fancy Hercules so much because yeah, he's, he's, just, he's so kind of dumb. Yeah, he's, he's just, just really just nice. He's a lovely guy. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Great. Meg gets away with like she has a past. Yeah, Hercules is like cool, grand, look, yeah, no like, problem. Great, Sound. you've practiced. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's just really good. And like she ends up with the beefcake in the end, and he's yeah. like a celeb. So Meg's like doesn't have to work. No, Meg's yeah. chilling, like, yeah. especially in like ancient Greece. Jesus. Yeah, she's gonna like, get a temple. Obvious temple. Yeah. yeah. Wear the nicest towels all the time, you know. And like have lots of vases around. Yeah. People singing songs about more songs. More She's going to have a great time. So I do like, when it comes to Disney movies, as I get older, I love Hercules way more than I love Beauty and the Beast. Um, yeah, Hercules is really, really shocking. I feel like uh, there's a drinking game that you can play. This is a... Uh, 
you can take this one, listeners. <laughs> There's a drinking game that you can play with Hercules, which is the Hercules drinking game. You know, very straight to the point. Where you take a drink every time someone in the cast says Hercules. And that's the only rule. So you go through the film and you take a drink of your drink every time someone says Hercules. You're done. You're done. By 20 minutes in, they say it. Oh, that is they, the word over and over and over again. It's astonishing when you're paying attention how like almost once a minute somebody says Hercules. And Hercules, Hercules is such a like... like good romance name as well yeah, isn't it yeah. yeah Sebastian's another one Sebastian's and Hercules are like but Sebastian's a crab dude I'm, a crab, not yeah. I'm not smooching <laughs> that guy that's another like eight, late 80s early 90s problematic Disney heroine as well like oh, that that, that was five years yeah they just really couldn't 80s to early 90s problematic Disney heroines <laughs> yeah. yeah but like uh, Ariel's sort of problem is very similar to Belle's in lots of ways you know and that she wants to sort of escape this like this really uh uh like a uh, stagnant world and wants to go and explore. Like it's a metaphor for sex. Like, the whole thing is a is a is a, is a metaphor been for sexuality. Like locked up underground. Yeah. Gets out, sees a fella. Bam, there you go. Yeah. Give me some legs. <laughs> I'm down. I don't need a voice. Whatever. See the guy playing with his dog and I was like, I have to have that. <laughs> she has a really nice dog. That's yeah. it. I'm so such a good Instagram looking. account. <gasps> yeah. Looks so kind. Prince, Prince Eric. Eric would have a banging Instagram account. Oh that yeah. castle, those sea views. I'm telling his little boat. He'd probably be like hashtag canoeing. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag local lake district. Bells would be kind of gloomy because of that castle landscape. There'd be too much mist. Yeah. It would definitely look like she Google imaged castle and like copied and saved <laughs> She'd probably be the kind of person who would take her Instagram photos on a DSLR and then like upload them and then put them up to her Instagram and her phone because she wants to be like a really strong landscape photographer, you know? And she, she would seriously. definitely do the snobby, look at the book I'm reading. Just, Yeah. I mean, so many Carl Narsgaard. Carl Narsgaard is my bae. Thanks, Belle. We know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think the I think their struggles are very, very similar. Not Carl Narsgaard and Belle. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe. <laughs> I'd read that. Uh, but Ariel and Belle's struggles aren't dissimilar in that their dads are... There's no moms in these books. Or in these books, in these films. There's no mothers. No. no. And that's really interesting. Unless they're like evil moms. Or like weird fairy mothers like kidnappers well, like, yeah well I mean Ursula's a kidnapper but like, like oh my god is Mrs. Potts a kidnapper oh she's complacent where are she? Beast's parents oh they're, they're dead gone. he was just like he was a like really 11 year old orphan it was like I think when he was like 18 or 19 it might have all kicked off because yeah, Lumiere, Lumiere, Lumiere said they were in Chant for 10 years I don't think they've the aged though that's weird because he's going to turn 21 it's that's how it works though. yeah and Belle is definitely like logic in the fantasies. I mean, come on now. I'm, She's I'm a dick. All, I'm all behind. Yeah. all behind crowns and vengeance, right? I love that. But what what kind of witch shows up at the door and goes, "You're eleven. You're obviously the person you're going to be for the rest of your life." But I think Good he look. was like be like enchanted at like twenty nineteen. Okay. Oh, and he was like yeah. paused. Um, yeah, okay. because then you know, like the picture, like the torn picture. Yeah. Oh yeah, and he's he got looks, like his mane and all. Yeah. It was a dick move to enchant the entire castle and everybody who worked there. And I all know. the cutlery as well. <laughs> and she cutlery. turned one woman into a wardrobe. Yeah. Like, stinger for her. That's the worst. Well, I mean, yeah. like, people cool. can just, like, open oh, hands inside her. you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you were an enchanted piece of furniture, what enchanted piece of furniture would you want to be? I think Lumiere, like, yeah. got the best deal because he can, yeah. like, Hop. turn himself on. And yeah. he's got arms. And he's pretty movable. Yeah. He's the most mobile of them. Yeah. He's the Feder Duster got, well. got a pretty rum deal. 
Yeah, but she's the, she's the weird sexy feather duster. I feel yeah. like Disney have a lot to answer for in terms of <laughs> sexually anthropomorphizing objects and people kind of going, there's the feather duster, I'm kind of having like conversations with myself. I don't understand what I'm feeling about the feather duster, but I think they're deliberately trying to do this to me. Like weird sexy feather duster, no. And no. then when they transform no. Lumiere at the end, back he's not even hot. His, he's like a minger. Yeah, he's yeah. not even hot. What a disappointment, Jean. Yeah. You're, gonna, you're sitting there the whole time going, is he going to be hot? Is he going to be hot? And then he's not. And you're, like, like, you're expecting oh. like, oh, this is going to be like an animated Vincent Cassell. I would think Vincent <laughs> Cassell. I'm like a kind of creepy French dude. No. But no, he looks like a weird like idea like a ca- of a lo- an accountant in a 1980s London sitcom. He's just not. He does. Yeah. Like a parliamentary assistant. Yeah, yeah. Like they definitely like yes it. minister stuff going. Oh, like man. he gave like a speech to a conference when he was like twenty one. Oh, yeah, God. yeah. And you don't want that for Lumiere. You want Lumiere to be hot in the end because he's like he's your guide through it. You're like, there's a and he like the feather the candlestick. The feather dusters into him as well. Like, and she's hot when she turns into a human. Yeah, she's so, gorgeous. She, yeah, she's like this perfect for Lumiere guys. Like this perfectly proportioned like human woman that walks past him, and he's like cartoony. Yeah, but she's like they they put a lot of reference drawn real her. Yeah, I know. Oh, like they thought about it for a long time. Really yeah. <laughs> there was one animator put in charge here for five years. Yeah. Cracking like, knuckles going, yeah. sexy ladies. That's all I'm going to draw. <laughs> That's it. I think the wardrobe had a lot of rage about her position because only two people die, as far as I can tell, in her film. Gaston and the person she curb stomps. She launches off a stairs and <gasps> to one crushes of the... the guy into the ground and he doesn't move afterwards. They cut back to him, he's still not moving. Oh my God. Everybody else runs away. <laughs> she straight up murders a guy. So when she's yeah. left over at the end, she's just walking around the castle back in her human form with blood on her hands. <laughs> <laughs> like, can you imagine like, when you're having your staff party and you're sitting across the table and you're this massive wardrobe and then the, <laughs> and then the little duster, the feather duster, just there like, ooh la la. And <laughs> you're like, if I move, I hurt people. Oh you man <laughs> Problematic Problematic <laughs> Disney movie Tell you Okay so g- Speaking of problematic Gaston Let's do it <sighs> He's the worst isn't was he? he? <laughs> was he formative in any way? He wasn't He's not hot though Is he? Not really Well Is he? He's in the book In the movie He's so disrespectful To like books Yeah he, women he muddies talking. books Every time he's there yeah, He's basically he's like yeah. the When you think of like The worst like, <laughs> Yeah he is Like he embodies all that And I think it's really good That young children like that, this guy who talks all the time and thinks he's amazing, mm. is and is like alpha male, is like horrible in it, and yeah. like is a bigot at the end, and it's just really mean. I think that's a really good thing to show people that like this like stereotypical alpha male eating all his protein, eating all his eggs. Mm. <laughs> something we're seeing a lot well. at the moment, you know. Yeah. And um, the antlers thing, yeah, murdering animals yeah. just for like, like walls of antlers. That's like yeah, interior design fashion. And the way he's like, yeah. I want. Bell, I deserve Bell. Bell is mine, mm. and he's such a dickhead about it. And the way he like manipulates the father's mental health and stuff—that's actually yeah. really dark. Yeah, that's yeah. a wicked dark mm. street. The stage show uh, plays into that a lot more. Actually, there's a, a uh, like West End and Broadway stage production of Beauty and the Beast, which I saw. Oh my in, god, it's so but good! It was the point, it's so good. I also yeah. saw it the point. <laughs> it <laughs> so is amazing. Oh so good, and I kind of I feel like seeing that story on stage with those exact Disney characters really hammered home how really messed up what Gaston did to Belle's dad was yeah mm. like, like he would definitely be into Gamergate oh, would he be into totally Gamergate yeah. no he's not but he's, no, I think he's just your, your, your average men's rights activist no he'd yeah. be like a gun, a gun guy uh, he'd be the guy with a, a, a gun and a fish on his Twitter profile he would yeah. definitely follow Dan Bilzerian is that the name of oh, that guy yeah. Yeah, he'd yeah. be so into that he's the original yeah. pickup artist yeah. Gaston so, yeah. would definitely describe himself as a poker player but he'd be really bad at poker <laughs> <laughs> like he'd be like yeah, I watched poker last night. Or like you'd have an online account. I'm a shark. Yeah. It's like you're not a shark, dude. And, and he, he definitely had... has like two pairs of Ray-Bans. 
nowadays. <sighs> there was three village ladies who were like oh, all yeah. mad about him, who were all the same animated figure in a slightly different colour with a mm. marginally different apron. Mm. Oh no, they different hair. They had like very slightly different yellow hair. And uh, they were real mad at Belle. They were real mad at her because Gaston was like, you, the nerdy one. Yeah. And uh, that was interesting, like growing up as well. Like the sort of the, I like on a real like our problematic thing where it's like, but all the women should be nice to each other. No, man, they're <laughs> pitting the smart girl against everybody. That's not good. So I think in some ways they really hit, uh, hit something very kind of spookily, like predictive on the head with Gaston. Where yeah. the, the true villain of the piece is like the the the, the patriarch, patriarchy, but there's all there's a lot of weird grey stuff in between as well that doesn't quite doesn't the grey stuff it's delicious, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, there's a lot of other stuff that kind of doesn't quite ring true. It's almost feminist by accident, do you know? Yeah, like it's not intentional. It just kind of so happened to be that. Like, Gaston would turn out that way. Belle is great in that, like, she wants to, like, escape. Like, I think she's a bit rude about her hometown. Yeah, it only be like that. Provincial dopes or whatever. And you're like, maybe if you Everybody's talk really nice to, to people, yeah. Belle, yeah. Yeah, these people really want to know how you are. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, really And you're looking at your book. Yeah, show them to sheep instead. Yeah. yeah, but I think, like, the fact that she rejects Gaston and, like, does not want to get with the hot guy in the village and like the bit where he's like, we'll have loads of babies. And she's like, nah. It's like turning down the her, like, the star hurler in the team. Like, and the whole <laughs> town just goes against you. Yeah, so Belle, yeah. Belle is that gal. And mm. I think, like, the fact that she trades herself for her father so quickly at the beginning, mm. it's a bit victimy. And you're like, this shows you what a bad Disney heroine I'd be. I'd be like looking at my dad, I'd be like, you've got 15 years to this. <laughs> this is like pre industrial France, you know. Yeah. You get sick, you're gone. This place looks pretty nice in the way. I'm new by mean, 17. <laughs> yeah. I'll see ya. I'm gonna go walk. I'm gonna Paris, lads. I'm off. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go join that revolution. Get it on the ground floor. <laughs> That's something. Fall actually, out I ro- noticed the music at the right time. Yeah. The music's very lame, Izzy, which I wouldn't have noticed at the time. Yes, but it's like like everybody in that era of France just sang like that all the time. Like everybody in the village sings in the in the castle, not so much. It's like the whole village does all their talking and story through song. That's true. And they don't do it in the castle except until Belle arrives. Yeah, every time you see every time you see them in the village. They're all singing away. Yeah. They are. And even when they're going to be like the terrifying pitchfork yeah. mob, they're like, <laughs> bring, bring, away, bring pitch, your pitch, swords. Pitch, pitch. It's yeah. like, yeah. It's a, they, that is true. They do like sort it's of. It's a song musical. Like, it's like a lame is style song musical in the village and it's not in the castle. The That's movie was originally yeah. not meant to be a musical. Really? Yes. I did loads of research last night on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and then someone in Disney was like, no, this is a potential to be like make a Broadway musical of, and that's where they got in touch with Alan Menken. And what was the name of the other guy? Howard Ashman, who I think died before it oh, was released. Oh, he died recently. Oh, no. He no, died a few months before it was released of an right. AIDS related. Um, yes, he was. Oh, that's good because Sam Smith he was the lyricist, completely ignored yeah. him last at the Oscars. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was like, Sam what about Smith, Howard Ashman? Sam Smith. Was yeah. my favourite <laughs> Twitter beef. <laughs> this year. and this year is so young Dragon, like, yeah. yeah Justin Lass, Lance Black is it yeah Justin yeah. Lance Black yeah. so, that was like the best thing I've ever seen eating popcorn yeah just yeah. with your glasses watching <laughs> it all go down my boyfriend I was like oh my god I love when that comes up <laughs> screen cap send to people look at this like, like that's the fight I want to see in public like I want to be in a cafe when that happens <laughs> just eating your popcorn yeah <laughs> um, so the songs yeah yeah the songs are great like I love the opening music like it's so creepy mm. and then you can hear all the birds and stuff and yeah, it's yeah. got really good sound effects I didn't do Wikipedia research to see if that won the Oscar but I hope it did no, I, did, I actually noticed that the sound mix is really good on it yeah, yeah. 
Because the only movies I ever noticed the sound in are Star Wars and Disney movies. Mm. Yeah. It's, like, they're really good at it. Like, yeah. the first three Star Wars movies, the prequels, which are awful, but the sound in them is excellent. Because I watched a load of documentaries about how they made all the creepy crawly sounds. Oh, yeah. Oh. Once you watch a documentary about it, like, I remember watching the one for The Born Identity. And yeah. on The Born's Family, how did the car crash and stuff. Bring back like, DVD extras, like, oh please. Yeah. Should be a Netflix Yo, bring back extras. <laughs> really I would read that. I would watch that. I used, like I used to watch Futurama, but just with commentaries instead of Futurama, <laughs> just over and over again. And the commentaries better than any of the actual scripts. We yeah. had like, of course it is. Like yeah. they're really in it. Like mm. our DVD player was acting funny once when we were younger, and Miss Congeniality. We couldn't watch it without the commentary for a while. <laughs> and like, yeah, so you can't like, just not I watch it. That in, yeah, because you can kind of hear what they're saying in the background. Like I'd mm. seen it in the cinema, so I was like, I'll just watch for a half an hour at the commentary. Wasn't really enlightening. No. <laughs> Didn't learn anything about the tech. The if you want to hear people just calling Sandra Bullock Sandy, though, it's probably a great Sandy. place to go. Oh, God. <laughs> the best one I saw was Lemony Snicket to, uh, doing mm. the, um, like, Daniel Handler, the writer of A Series of Unfortunate Events, doing the director's commentary on the film A Series of Unfortunate Events as Lemony Snicket. And oh. he's pretending to not know what's happening in the film. So he's just horrified the whole time. He's just like, how could you do this to these children? Did you bring children into this environment and harm them? How could you do this? And he takes out his accordion and he starts playing his accordion and singing a sad song. It's so off the walls. It's brilliant. There's a lot that can be done with that commentary thing. The Spinal yeah. Tap one, actually, saying they oh, did it in character. As pe- and they're outraged about what happened with the film. They're <laughs> <laughs> just like, this yes. is not us. <laughs> you need to do a list on the best DVD commentaries because like, they only had like such a brief time to grow. Yeah. They're kind of dead now. Like we've killed them. But maybe the podcast is resurrecting them. You know, like there are podcasts that are people talking, like there's a Frasier one that Kevin Smith does uh, called Toss Salad and Scrambled Eggs, which is pretty good. And they get in the writers and they, they watch episode by episode and they talk you you watch it along you listen to the podcast along with the show so they're giving you a commentary so it's sort of a free-for-all for commentaries now nearly yeah or know? like riff tracks as well yeah which is more like mystery science kind of making mm. fun of the films but still yeah we should do some of those there's a yeah. really good series and it's two guys and a girl in LA and they go through like movies that are pretty awful the Flophouse I don't think no. it's called that I listened to one on Jupiter Ascending How Did This Get Made yes How Did This Get Made and it's really funny and I love like movies because I love bad films like Actually, Jupiter Ascending is here in my notes because I'm talking about guys with like dog DNA in culture that girls fall for, and that's on my list. <laughs> on the beast list. That's the yeah, actual yeah, yeah, list. Yeah. This is important. In culture. Yeah, hop in there. Yeah. yeah. So we'll get talking about that now, will we? Yeah, let's yeah, do that. Let's go yeah. in. So where do I have this? Oh, yeah. So did any of you ever, like, because the beast is like a dog. And I remember, I think I saw a documentary about being the beast where they chose to make him kind of dog like. Yeah. Because the dogs have most expressions on their faces. Okay, yeah. Because in some legends, he's a line. In in the Vincent Cassell one, he's quite liney, but lines don't really have an expression besides sulky. Yeah. Yeah. Like they are like the laziest looking creature. I know it's they have like cash. great yeah. hair. So then I was just thinking about like dogs in like romantic movies and stuff and things. Do you ever watch The Tent Kingdom or read the book The Tent Kingdom? Yes. Oh my God, I've literally never met anybody else in my life. <laughs> I'm going to cry. It's on YouTube, guys. <laughs> it is Unbelievable! It is so weird. It is. I. Oh my god! It's. Will I explain the plot? Yes, do, please, please do. Yeah. This so is there's incredible. a gal in New York, and her dad's always been a bit odd, hasn't he? Yeah, he's like a janitor. Yeah, but then next thing, her dad goes missing, or something happens that involves her finding out that there's actually a parallel universe, and she enters it through Central Park, I think. Yep. And it's the Pent Kingdom, and she's like a princess there. She's got to go in, and she's like in her twenties in New York. She's got really good hair. Yeah. And she goes in, but then a guy's been following her in New York and he's like a dog, but he's a man. He's got a tail. He's a wolf. He's a wolf. Yeah. And 
Uh, will I spoil the ending? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody at the end, seen this. Nobody's like, seen this. At the end, they both escape back to New York or something. Yeah. And she's pregnant with the wolfman's baby and he's got a tail. He yeah. has got a tail. She's getting puppies like, that's happening. Yeah. And he like, he is kind of a werewolf. He literally, I think at one point during the series, they sort of go through all these magical lands. Like on a, He's on a, a bit dorky as well. Like he's not, yeah, a, he's not, he's not a sexy he's wolf not man. Suave. Like he's well cast. Is that Joel I pronounce the name, in What's the True Blood? Like he's a sexy wolf man. This guy's not a no, sexy wolf No, he's not really. Man. He's kind of awkward. And I think that's part of, the, part of the sort of journey with it. I can't believe you've seen this. I'm, my mind is <laughs> blown. Like I was, I, I was bet into I this. Was I was making my notes and I was like, Sarah's definitely seen the Tent Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> you knew it. Like, yeah, knew I, it. I, was like, I was like, she's the one person if I had to pick out somebody who has seen the Tent Kingdom. <laughs> yes. I'm telling you, if we ask on Twitter afterwards who else has seen the Tent Kingdom, we're going to get five faves within 10 minutes. People are going to be like, yes. Bam, on it. Yeah. Weird Sky One dramas from the early 90s. <laughs> I'm on this. It's so. Oh, it was a series. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, right. It it's a, a very series. long series. It was a long mini series. There's a lot of money in it. Yeah, it's a big book, and the cover of the book, like you see New York, and it's got like the skyline of New York, and then underneath it, it's like a forest, but it's like in the shape of the skyline of New York. Uh, the dad from Married with Children is in it as the King of the Trolls, um, and there's okay. loads of weird actors that literate. You're kind of like, hang on, is that a famous person? And I'm just saying, it's a bit of coincidence that it was written before Jonathan Strange and Mr. Narl, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? It's like, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Sass. It's just, you know, there's <laughs> a lot of weirdness in this book. Another giant book that gave me shoulder problems on trains. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not very, it's, maybe it's kind of a glamorous, it's a vintage cover at this point. It's like, it's a throwback. Yeah. You know, it's sort of Sabrina the Teenage Witch era of TV throwback. It's a very specific kind of throwback. <laughs> like, that's so, that's bizarre. And th- there's fairy tales run through it as well. They move through different kingdoms as 10 Yeah, it's kind of like Once Upon a Time, that TV show. Yeah. It's got that vibe to it. Where it references all of the grim fairy tales throughout and sort of the implication is that I think that the girl who you go through it with is uh, Snow White's daughter. And, um, very once upon a time. Yeah, actually. Like super, super once upon a time. The idea <laughs> like, is that there are nine magical kingdoms and New York is the 10th kingdom. So she comes in from the 10th kingdom and goes back through yeah. them. And each of them is different. It's like like a video game. Each of them mm. is sort of a different landscape. There's a forest and a pasture. And the wolf guy, the one episode I remember really, really clearly because I was a super young teenager watching it is when they're in the sort of shepherdy town where there's lambs and shit everywhere. And the wolf guy loses his goddamn mind because all he wants to do is eat the sheep. (laughs) (laughs) All he wants to do is eat the sheep. That's the stress of dating a guy with dog DNA and the sequel to Beating the Beast will show this if they make it. Uh, They have made sequels but they're like direct-to-video and they're really lame. They're like songs that Disney just didn't want to use I actually yeah. thought I kind of thought the second one was pretty good I have absolutely seen the second one this like I did enjoy it. Christmas one yeah it's really Christmassy <laughs> there's lots of good fur cloaks and stuff and frolicking another like thing with dog DNA and a gal getting with a guy who's got issues like with his chromosomes is <laughs> Jupiter Ascending have you seen that? No, we nearly talked about it in Sarah's episode because we were saying that the fifth element wouldn't get made now but it kind of did and it was kind of Jupiter Ascending Jupiter Ascending, I went to see Jupiter Ascending last year on St. Patrick's Day night because I decided to, this is this is such a like, I'm dating a DJ thing to say. <laughs> I decided to join my boyfriend's tour of the UK, but my boyfriend's tour of the UK, people are like, that's so cool. I'm like, it was three cities. <laughs> one, so of sure. them, one of them yeah. was Manchester and they were coming the day after. So I said I'd arrive early and I booked into like a hostel. And actually a girl stole my sleeping mask thing, which is a very privileged thing to say. <laughs> I went to a hostel and someone stole my airport makeup thing or whatever what I use in my eyes. I can't remember the name of it. Um, you can edit that part out. <laughs> um, I went to see it and like, you know, in the cinema in the UK, you're like, like buy a bottle of wine. Stop. Really? 
Yeah, I didn't know Cine this. World no. in the UK, they just have like an offer on wine. They give you like two glasses and you're just like, no. <laughs> that's that's a brilliant idea. That's yeah, brilliant. you can buy like a small bottle of wine. Take my money. So I bought the wine. I went to see Jupiter Ascending on my own. Yes. On St. Patrick's <laughs> Day, 2015. <laughs> and I left the cinema. I was like, that was great. And looking back at it, I'm like, that was terrible. <laughs> but at the time, I was like, oh, this is gr- this is so good. Like, because like pe- the bees know she's royal. It's like she's a royal alien princess or something. A Channing Tatum is this guy like centre protector but he's like an angel whose wings have been ripped off him, but he's also half wolf to make him more like attuned things so he hears things and I don't know smells things but like there's a bit where she like starts coming on to him and she's like I've always liked dogs <laughs> the creepiest oh God, that's real on the nose <laughs> weirdest thing you can look it's on YouTube not very subtle it's dialogue like, right no. there <laughs> it's not subtle at all um, but yeah, I was thinking of that when I was watching Beating the Beast. It's like we're not really discussing the fact that Belle's fallen in love with a giant dog here. With a creature. Yeah. Yeah. She reads a bunch. Her mind is real open. Like yeah. she's just like she's she's down for whatever. She always wanted an adventure and she's like, Guess this is my adventure. Guess <laughs> <laughs> this is who I am now. Yeah. So like we never and like you know some people are like, Oh, I prefer Beast before he transforms as well. It's like you're lying. Yeah. <laughs> I see you and you're lying. Like, oh, this is like I prefer the beast. And I'm like, no, because Beast turns into like a nineteen eighties Venice Beach hottie at the end. With a ponytail. Yeah, and you're like, definitely prefer that. Really? I don't know. I feel like he's sort of I think he's so hot. At the end? Yeah. Ah, you mean, yeah, but like, I think there's something kind of, I'd probably be more, I feel like Disney, but this is Disney doing the thing where they make Feather Duster sexy again, yeah. where they're like anthropomorph, anthropomor- I can't even say that word, it's got a lot of syllables, lad. <laughs> <laughs> they're making animals sexy at us, and like, this is the Cadbury's bunny problem, I feel like, it comes down the line, I think I was talking oh to someone on Twitter yes. about this during the week, yeah. where it's Boobie just like, please bunny. stop making these animals sexy, and it's even more complicated when they do it with, it's really easy to exploit the female form in, in animation and in drawing. And it's yeah, they are all tiny, right? Little, little it's called yes. a, they snake their waists. It's called snaking. You just I bring know. it right in, and uh, it's re- you, you can snake the waist of a teacup. I mean, like if they would wanted to make Mrs. Potts sexy, I'm sure they could have. You know, I bet you, I bet you Google she that. She was over fifty. She just got <laughs> snaking. Um, yeah. not yeah. snaking. She might, she might have been snaking when she was younger. Who knows? But they do it to male characters in Disney films as well. Like I was talking to someone recently about Robin Hood. Uh, oh yeah, Robin Hood is fox. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, but like he's real charismatic and stuff. And yeah, uh, loads of girls I know fancy the fox. Yeah, it's just like, well, that's that's who I am now. I guess I'm a furry. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's it. You know, like it's. But that stuff comes in and you're so young and you're like, I guess it just sort of broadens what you. I don't know. I've, I'm like totally down for Beast. Yeah, I'm on that team. I'm on Team Beast. There you I'm, go. I'm on Die Team. Yeah, you're on Team Human. <laughs> I'm team Whatever. Human. Like I embrace all this culture and stuff. Like, at the end <laughs> of the day, who's like, what you do? And I'm not ending up a wolfman. No, not a wolfman. Not making that choice. Not making that choice. Bell <laughs> wasn't making any choice, man. She was locked in. I'm just, I'm just trying to empathise with her, you know. Yeah, he is like, he, yeah, he's still keeping her captive, but like he does give her nice things, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I guess that's cool. Books and clothes. I'm like, I like books. I like clothes. I could, I could compromise other things for this. Yeah, sure. Like, why not? you know, it's really sad. The bit where he's eating the dinner and he's eating it like with his paws, and Bell gives him a look, and then like. He Shows starts eating it properly and then they eat it properly together. But they're like, that's not really a victory bell. No. Small, but you take, you take yeah. the little bits that you can get. I suppose when you're locked up, like you're like, this is my victory. This is my <laughs> Yeah. It's like every it's day the one notch on the wall behind the yeah. wardrobe being like, got through another She's one. She's no longer eating with his claws. <laughs> I'm changing things on the inside. Yeah. She has her own ecosystem. And uh, the patriarchy come to burn the place down. So she was doing it right all along. Have you read The Bloody Chamber? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I read that years ago and like she has like two renditions of The Beast. Yeah. 
And then I was just thinking about like other books that have like taken on the whole Beauty and the Beast vibe. Like there's a TV show on the CW. It's really bad. The Beauty and the Beast, it's called. And Ron Perlman was actually in the original one, the 80s, where he played like Beast in New York. All these things happen in New York. Everything happens yeah. in New York. There is a computer game where all the fairy tale characters have to move to New York. Oh. And the big bad wolf is the sheriff. Have you played it? No, I haven't. It's actually quite good, but the Beauty and the Beast are in it. They're there. And uh, Beast is really jealous now because Belle is this beautiful woman in New York and he just can't get a job. What so he's, he's <laughs> hmm? What system is it on? Uh, Xbox and oh, probably PlayStation as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a Telltale game. Oh, so. Telltale? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm actually well, yeah. interested in seeing what happens after the whole yeah. real life. What happens, like the, the guy you... Keeps Belle captive. works as a secretary in a brothel and Beast gets really jealous is what happens according to this Jesus game. Jesus so, yeah. <laughs> Wow. Disney yeah. definitely did not They did not that. approve that. Yeah. But I was also thinking of like why like we so rarely see like a female Beast narrative thing, you know? Oh my God. It's always the makeover. She's all that. That kind of stuff. We never see like... You're right, yeah. Yeah, and I was thinking that's a bit of a pity. Shrek, weirdly. Yeah. I can't. I cannot think of a check without laughing. Yeah, check has gone so far down yeah. the rabbit hole of the internet for me that I'm. Because like, like in Beauty and the Beast, it's kind of the whole marvel is if you see through a person, you will get the hot version of them will appear for you. Yeah. Whereas in Shrek, it's the opposite. Like you can you kind of see through the person and then you decide to keep the person they are anyway. Yeah, the Marvel whereas, Shrek is actually like, quite nice. Yeah, whereas Beauty and the Beast is kind of the hot beast is the reward for seeing through him, kind of. Yeah. Whereas and in Shrek, it's the opposite. Actually, yeah. yeah. Prob- problematic faves. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. My head's imploding here. I'm like, <laughs> Shrek. Because I forget Shrek. I remember like watching a lot at the time, but then I hated the sequels. Oh yeah, I don't yeah. observe the sequels, but I yeah. uh, I feel like Shrek and, uh, has become this sort of, this sort of, I'm sorry, I'm talking into my hand because I can't <laughs> believe I'm saying this out loud, that it's become this just terrible spiral of internet humour around Shrek. And every time I think about him, I just can't, I can't even uh, really talk about Shrek because so ridi- it's so ridiculous. You know, I, my husband keeps doing this thing where he goes, Sarah, do you know? The Shrek came out 30 years ago and I'm like, no, it didn't. Stop saying that to me. But the year is going to come, guys. Yeah, where it was have been 30 the second film I saw in the cinema with my wife was Shrek. So so you guys can keep track that way? Yes. That's good. I'll be, yeah. looking, to you. I'll be looking to you for the truth, yeah. Alan. You know, no we're, gonna... we're going to have 15 years this year. What was the year. first movie ah. you saw? Evolution, David Duchovny. All right. Yeah. <laughs> the head was Ash. <laughs> what was the yeah. first movie you saw at your husband? Princess and the Frog. Oh, that's, oh, that's a really good one. cute. He learned how to tolerate me bawling my eyes out immediately. <laughs> I was like, I know I don't know you, but I'm going to sit here and cry for an hour and a half. And he was like, that's fine. Then we went and played Mario Kart and ate pizza and that was it. But uh, yeah, no, we've uh, Princess and the Frog, which is astonishing. And there's a set of Disney bangers, like songs, the songs in it are yeah. out of control. I think what prevented that from being such a hit, what like wasn't the whole racing. I think it was the fact it was in 2D. Yeah, yeah. When it should have been the tangled kind of 2D, 3D. I loved mm. animation style in Princess and the Frog, though. It's very yeah. traditional. It's extremely stylized. I think at the time, people were probably tired of that, though. Because then yeah. Tangled came out and it was such a banger. Yeah. People were like, Whoa. all over it. Yeah. All over it. I think if the Princess and the Frog had kind of transitioned into that different kind of animation. Yeah. But I, uh, it, it felt very traditional and the music in it is very beautiful. And it's set in New Orleans. So, like, the whole world of it is very, it's yeah. a very different magical kingdom. And um, it's, uh, oh, it's stunning. Like it's there. It is a it is a problematic fave, absolutely. But the is, um, male hero in it, I'm not not into him. But is ukulele? Nah, nah, no. He's not a nice. He's a cat. Person. He's a cat. Yeah, she's no. not a cat. She's a, she's she's a baller. She she's, she's an entrepreneur. Serious. She's an entrepreneur, yeah. and uh, there's a lot of lovely uh, sequences around her, like not unlike Belle, and that she wants something 
like Bella's content to be like I'm going to read my book and like cry in the meadow about how I want to escape my provincial life whereas Tiana is like I'm going to work so hard that no one else can ignore me and I'm like I like her she's more modern heroine yeah. but then again there are literally centuries between Belle and, uh, and I'm Tiana. getting to the age though where I sympathise with Belle I just want to disappear it's just cast and read books you know yeah no, the Stockholm Syndrome would work you'd be like oh grand no yeah. more stops asking me how I am see you in the yeah. library then I think like, what I'm going to no do coverage on Saturday here. yeah, yeah. But um, I was also thinking of the whole, like, I love the story of Bluebeard. Um, are you familiar no. with that? You're going to have to tell the story yeah. of Bluebeard. Too. Okay, Let's so go. the story, story of Bluebeard is, it's another French fairy tale, I think. Angela Carter has done, I think, two or three times in her book. I think she's two renditions of it. And there have been movies of it, like there's been a few French movies. So Bluebeard is, this guy owns a castle. I think he actually does have a Bluebeard. And he's got a bad rep. Like his wives have all gone missing or died young. So then... He's in that computer game as well. Just, just realize and is he really there. evil in the computer game? Yes, he's like he's a very, very, very well, rich guy who's trying to like manipulate the, count, yeah. the town council. Yeah. This guy Ooh. is yeah. like the worst. So this young maiden has to marry him. And they're getting on fine. They're getting on okay. Next thing he goes on holidays and he's like, do not go into the West Wing or whatever. This is kind of like Beauty yeah. and the Beast. And he's off on holidays and she goes in and she finds like all the bodies of his ex-wives and stuff. And she's like, fuck. And then he comes back. Oh, sorry, I've gotten us the explicit. <laughs> all right. Damn. The first one. We did it. <laughs> so then he comes back and he's like going to kill her. But for some reason, she's able to fight him off and kills him. And in, like I think in Angela Carter's thing, like this is my favorite. Like this is catnip for me. There's like a blind piano tuner in the castle. <gasps> yeah. yeah. Who like loves her. And like Aww. he like saves her before she dies in the prison thing. But then her mom comes in and like kills Bluebeard and I'm like Disney make that <laughs> make Disney's yeah. Bluebeard yeah like how good would that be the blind piano tuner and like I yeah I love Bluebeard like I love creepy castles but I like the fact that this one like she's it's not enchanted this is like this is scary it's yeah. a murder house man yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah. I'm after marrying a dodgy old guy American Horror Story Bluebeard that's what <laughs> you're like yeah. yeah so I love Bluebeard and I loved Crimson Peak as well did you see Crimson Peak? you know no. I've had people the, the last 24 hours oh, so I saw High Rise last night and I was um, gently Tom, tweeting yeah. about it Jesus Mary and Joseph and uh, I didn't I didn't need this guys I didn't need it in my life oh. here, here we are <laughs> went to Crimson Peak purely is- because of a, like Tom Hiddleston's butt does strange things to women. <laughs> so it. he's got lovely clavicles. I don't know what to do. Yeah. I don't know what to do it myself. But uh, that's it's the way he looks to, like looks down on women, but it's not in a like looks down on women. It's like he's looking down like you're the centre of his universe. He's got mad and you're big like, eyes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like he's listening. He's listening. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston <laughs> acts like a man who listens. Are you there? <laughs> yeah. And that's like some people. Are, I still get Tom Hiddleston, and you're like. No, I get him. You'll like, see the right film and then you'll be like, because oh, I was like that. I was totally like re- a resistor for years. I was like, nah, man, he's gawky. Nah, 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 nah. And then uh, about three minutes into High Rise, I was like, shit. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, God, no. I only I know him as Loki. So like, I, I don't can't. observe Loki. So yeah. I'm not, I don't observe <laughs> the Avengers or anything. I'm like, I know I that, that recognize Loki as a no, person. No, I'm Tom sorry. Hiddleston I don't know what that is. Yeah. I've never, I have no understanding. Like, I'm so into Tom Hiddleston. Like, Loki is so evil, but I'm still like, Bet you there's a gal out there for him in the universe. Aww. Oh yeah. Bet you there's a gal, and she's going to change him. And her name is Jean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do I get into Marvel? <laughs> so yeah, I love Tom Hiddleston. Crimson Peak is, I loved it, and like it got kind of lukewarm reviews. I thought it was excellent. Like this girl moving to a castle, creepiness abounds. Sold. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's, yeah. That sounds about right. It's so good. Like if it was a book, I'd be like, oh my god, yes. Um, I love Rebecca as well. Although that, like, looking back, I'm like, he's so evil, <laughs> you know. 
um, get out of that situation second with Sister Winter. Uh, <laughs> Sister Winter, leave immediately. But that was like another formative romance book. I read that when I was 16 and I was like, oh my God. You read when you were 16? Yeah, I read the same wow. age as my mom. I had my mom's copy of it and she read the same age. And I remember reading that and I was like, oh my God, this is so swoonily romantic. Oh my God, you meet a guy on holidays. Oh my God, he's widowed. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, That's so sad for him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Big house. And then you're like, looking back, you're like, he is grooming you. Yeah, that is, that is. <laughs> yeah, this is not on. And Phantom of the Opera, I was obsessed with that as well, Same. the soundtrack. Oh Never saw it on stage. Neither I, did I. By yeah. the time I got to like where I could go see it on stage, I was like, that bit, bit Baroque 80s, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, a, bit, like, yeah. it's a bit much, like a bit kind of screaming organs. But like, I love the end of Phantom of the Opera yeah. in that like she's away from him, but he still has his hold on her. Forever. That's it, because yeah. he's, he's a phantom. <laughs> I actually love the film. I know it's terrible, but Jared Butler as Phantom is one of the funniest things. I'm just delighted by the fact that Jared Butler can sing. You know? Can he though? Like, yeah, it doesn't re- seem like he should. Like, he, he should be. It should be like he's not Russell like Johnny Crow. Depp singing. He's, where Johnny yeah. Depp is talking. He's he's, he's still yeah. kind of he, singing. He does make the effort and like there. I'm not going to sing it, but there is a bit like where he's like on the rooftop and like Joel Schumacher did the movie weirdly enough, and it's just like all this like crazy fluffy snow and he's just like wailing about like how he's going to like ruin everyone's life. And like, <laughs> <laughs> Poor Phantom. Oh, you. Yeah, killing people because he's in love. Um, so yeah, they're like movies that like along with Beauty and the Beast and stories. I'm just like really into this whole weird fairy tale, um, woman in danger, but like getting herself out of it, or yeah, man with a weird hole. But like Rebecca, that doesn't happen. Crimson Peak is kind of like Rebecca, but in a really like empowering way. I find it has like a different yeah. last cha- few chapters. Like you know, oh okay, it turns the ending on its head. Kind of yeah, thing. is it a series or is it a movie? Crimson Peak? Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's just a movie. It was an original movie, movie about Gilmoro del Toro. Yeah. Oh, okay. Actually, Double yeah. Sold. Yeah. it's the movie, tying this back to romance, it's the movie that meant um, Charlie Hunnam kind of dropped out of Fifty Shades because he was signed on to do it. Yeah. Okay. So Hollywood Goss. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think he openly talks, like, he was signed on to do this and, like, coincided with everything because Gilmoro del Toro had given him the part in Pacific Rim, another excellent film. I haven't seen that one either. No, I yeah. Oh, my God, guys, you're going to love Pacific Rim. I've, I've seen no films. I did hear more, an amazing yeah. anecdote about Gilmero de Toro at Pacific Rim. There's a girl, there's a kid in it, isn't there? There's a girl in it, yeah. And he used to let her call him Totoro instead of Gilmero de Toro because <laughs> she couldn't say his name. So he, so this kid used to call Gilmero de Toro Totoro and he's this, he's this huge guy. I don't know. I think it's great. And I like him. He's a he's a cool presence and some of his other work is terrific, but I haven't been, oh, I'm not up to date. I feel like Pan's Labyrinth was the last big dip in that I did. Well, I suppose like I just saw the synopsis for Pacific Rim and it was like robots fight giant sea creatures and the world is building a wall that isn't working and Charlie Hunnam's in it and I was, and he's damaged in it like his brother died. <laughs> he's damaged and he's <laughs> damaged. And like gets his top off and like they all fight with like kind of like you know that kind of weird everyone battles with like round sword types that there's like martial arts in it and I was just like to my boyfriend I was like download that please. <laughs> Immediately. Thank yeah. you. Because I can't download things I'm just like I'm such a bad feminist, can't download anything. So I was just like, please download that. And I loved it. It's yeah. so good. I have like I feel like I'm I'm developing a watch list now. Yeah. I feel like all the chats I've had I'm like Crimson Peak, Crimson. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. And yeah, so that's Crimson Peak, watch that. That's really good. It's like a nice spin on the whole girl goes to a haunted house or a chanted house. And it's really scary. Like Oh, that's a, I want to be scared. It's got like, yeah, good yeah. CGI. Like kind of bad CGI but good CGI in that way. That's cool. That's what yeah, you and Jessica Chastain is amazing. She's cra- a crazy bitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, just trying to think what else. I have something to tell you about Beauty and the Beast. Okay. Fact. So, 
I, I've been on two Disney cruises. Oh my god, this is okay. I, I, I oh, yes. never asked Marty yes. this. I just oh god. okay. So the rest mm. in one of them, when there's four ships, and mm-hmm. in two of them, the main restaurant, the French restaurant called Lumiere's, oh my god. which has a big Beauty and the Beast mural on the wall, and oh all along the corridor as you're walking down, the rose is in a glass case. Shut up. In place of lights. Oh my god. With the petals on the ground. Oh my god. It's incredible. Yeah. So the rose is above your your table and you're sitting in the restaurant. I have always known I wanted to go on a cruise. And yes. This has just confirmed it. This is the one. The first night yeah. in the show where like they kind of introduce you to what's on the ship and they do a couple of musical numbers all Disney characters and then near the end in one of the boxes in the theater lights up and there is a man-sized Lumiere puppet there and he sings Be Our Guest to You. Shut up. Oh my God. Yeah, I cried. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm like, oh, and here we are. Unstoppable tears. That's amazing. It's incredible. I can't, I'm going to go back and do it again because I want to see, I just want to see Lumiere again. In the box? Yeah. Doing the thing? Doing the thing. That's yeah. amazing. That would be the best thing around. ever. Yeah. Um, I also have notes here about Stockholm Syndrome. Romance. <laughs> yes, let's go, let's go back. Let's yeah, take it back yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> Like I'm only, you know, like barely skimming my knowledge from my knowledge of romance here. But I was thinking of like women falling for their captors and like that's so bad, like can't stand yeah. it and things. Um, but then I was thinking like Labor Day with Kate Winslet and Josh Brolin. Do you see that? No, go on. No. Where he basically is, Josh Brolin is an escape criminal. I think Jason Reitman may have directed this. It was recent enough. So Scott, Josh Brolin's escape criminal shaves off his beard, is on the run in jeans and a white jacket, basically holds Kate Winslet, who's a bit like, you know, she's widowed or something. She's not like, she's not the full shilling in it. She's a bit damaged. Hashtag <laughs> <laughs> damaged. Yeah, damaged. It's terrible stuff. Problematic, problematic um, stuff. And her son hostage in their house while the police are looking for him and she falls in love with him. They like make apple pie or something. They fall in love. And it's just like she is like this criminal. He's a criminal and she falls in love with him. And that's like, it's called Labor Day. It's like, I think it's set over the Labor Day weekend. And it's just really bad. And then you've got Sweet Frances, which is like, I think I have a real problem with it. It's like the whole good Nazi narrative. Yeah. Yeah, because you're like... It's like, mm. like in Sound of Music, uh, when... Um in the, there's a the, one of the one of the daughters, oh, the eldest yes. daughter is like... Liesl. Being, Liesl is being wooed by... A mansplaining Nazi, uh, uh, like a very, a very who sings, who sings like the mansplaining anthem of all, like the of yeah. all songs. Uh, yeah, that's a really weird narrative. That's really uncomfortable. That they're like, no, but this is a sweet Nazi. It's like, no, I don't think that's okay. And but no, at least, no. like at the end, Captain Van Trapp, which is why women love Captain Van Trapp. It's not just the fact he's the best name ever. Yeah, <laughs> like, and he's on. got a whistle, and he's an absolute right and proven virility with his like 9,000 children <laughs> like, <you> yeah <laughs> and it's not just that or the fact that he's like able to play a little ukulele usually not an attractive um, feature in a man but he, <laughs> I don't know well, he this makes is, this it is, work this is more this is more Princess and the Frog shade here now <laughs> he's against the Nazis he gets out he's not he's not into the Nazis You're gonna, there's no, going to be no good Nazis he's, I'm not into him That's what yeah That's he's just like yeah. not my thing not getting on this bandwagon yeah. but then you've got movies like Sweet Frances and it's like the Nazi moves, in, moves into her house like, How old is this film? I've never heard of it. Sweet Frances. It's based on that book by, oh, I always mispronounce foreign writers' names, Irene Nemerovsky. Do you remember? It has the cover of two people kissing and it's grey and they found the manuscript, her da- granddaughters or daughters found the manuscript and she was a Jewish-French writer who actually oh. went away to a camp and she'd published a few novels in France but then they republished this about f- 10 years ago. It was a big book club book and okay. it was also like, it's very good and it's about people's lives under the Nazis in France and the reason it's so important is because it was written 
at the time. Like it's written wow. in 1939, mm. 1940. And so it's about the occupation starting and it's people colluding with the occupation. So she's writing in real time about yeah. all this wow. as it happens. And um, then she was sent away. Um, but Sweet Frances is about, they. the movie leaves out some of the book because the book has a lot of resistance stuff in it. And they do do a bit of that in the movie, but the book is Michelle Williams. Her husband's gone off to fight or something. Or he's arrested or he's in jail or something. And so she's living with her mom, Kirsten Scott. It's all, there's no French people in this movie. Of course there aren't. <laughs> there's no French people in Beauty and the Beast, guys. There's yeah. no French people anywhere. Like, yeah, we're you've like, said things in France, but. So Michelle Williams is this kind of docile wife, doesn't like her mother-in-law. Next thing, the Nazis arrive in town and the Nazis are all like, love the big gaffes. Ah, yeah, <laughs> so, mad for the big gaffes, yeah. yeah. Love the art, love the gaffes. <laughs> I have that, um, I love that. In their Hugo Boss designed oh. um, uniforms. So they arrive in town, they're like, get that gaff. Michelle lives in the house with the Nazi and he's like big into piano music. So he's sensitive, you know? Ah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then like, <laughs> she ends up... music could be evil. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, she okay. falls in love with him. <laughs> and like, they have this like weird thing, but it's like the whole good Nazi narrative. Uh. And it's just like so creepy. And like, you see it a lot. Like you have Black Book as well. Go on. With Sebastian, like oh, and also the, this is the problem with the good Nazi narrative and modern romance things is they're always played by men like Matthias Schoenertz. You know the guy in um, Rust and Bone. He's in um, a bigger splash at the moment. I'm gonna get a picture of him up on my phone because I'm very very yeah. curious. Oh, as to he's what this gentleman. I think like. he's Belgian. He's just an absolute like knockout of a man. Oh, it's, it's good, yeah. a good thing. Like he yeah. played yeah. a movie where he played a farmer. He started in a movie where he plays a farmer who starts taking like antibodies for like cattle to make oh, him yeah, like beef or something. Rust and Bone is the one with the waves. I've seen the trailer for Rust and Bone. I absolutely know who you're talking about yeah. and now I can exactly see it. So he okay, plays I'm this sexy you. Nazi who walks into town <laughs> and you're just like, you're like, oh God, this is so, this is complicated feelings. It's like <laughs> awful. It's so and also the problem with like these when the Nazis in France movies and stuff like that is like they're not like every, all the bad shit is happening now east. So you've yeah. got these guys on like France in the nice houses and these nice settings and you're like, maybe he doesn't know what's going on. You know? <laughs> maybe he's maybe he's just close. Yeah. Like, you know, he hasn't got the internet. He's not keeping in touch in the loop. I was watching, uh, I went to see um, the stage production of Cabaret in New York earlier in the year. Um, or sorry, Jesus, was it November now? Oh my God, this time movement <laughs> in November. And um, that's a, like, you know, the movie of Cabaret is like Liza Minnelli booting around. Yeah. Berlin having a jolly good time and lots of threesomes and, and parties and whatever and uh, the stage musical is about uh, you are at a house party one day and you look around and everyone you know is a Nazi and your boyfriend is a Jew and it's extremely frightening and I don't think I ever really sort of felt a World War II narrative as profoundly as I did until I saw that and it is utterly shocking and uh, I feel like there's a real damaging ignorance that people use when they sort of use the sweet Nazi trope and it's like that's actually so fucking disrespectful and shitty of them but they still do it and they get money to do it and good actors do it and it's like lads would you stop please (laughs) like you could make some really compelling terrific love stories in which you don't make the Nazi sexy in which other people are sexy like you don't have to do it you know being implicit in genocide, not no, sexy. No, that's actually not hot. No. It's like, you know what that's going to be in 50 years time is like the romance of the Trump rally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if it all yeah, goes he according was, to Trump's plan. He was yeah. pro, he was pro guns, but my God, that jawline. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. Actually, like Tarantino is like 
the most problematic of every person in the world. He's a high prince of problematic. I kind of love yeah. him a bit as well. In Glorious oh, Bastards, yeah. there's that Nazi who thinks he's a good Nazi. Mm. But Shoshana's like, you're a Nazi. No, you're, <laughs> no, no, no. you're still yes. a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, like there's a whole thing like the women who collaborate, who like slept with Nazis, they're called Les Tendus, I think. Mm. Oh. Yeah. And they were all like hauled out on the streets and like spat at and their heads shaved. There's pictures of it happening, but they're mm. women who like slept with Nazis at that time. Because like they thought like, there's definitely like this, their whole being captive, you know, you have to get with the game. It's Stockholm Syndrome again. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or just this, also, is this is our life now, so. Well, yeah. <laughs> can't beat them, yeah. join them. Yeah. But like, I really, I do love Inglorious Bastards for mm. how it's like, oh, just kill them all because <laughs> they are evil people. Like they did horrible things. But there's, um, last year there was this huge controversy in a controversy in romance novel land mm-hmm. because there's like, romance novels have like these I really think I strict. I talking about Subcategories. I think I've yeah. shared it a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think I might have read about this. So what happened was there was an award thing, and there's inspirational romance or romances where they're written for a religious audience. They're not erotic. They're like because erotic romance, and then there's whatever romance. There's like loads of subcategories. So inspirational romance is kind of a bit like Mormony. Oh, like okay. it's a big, it's a big market. But one book that won last year came out like they were voted by the panel and the book that won the inspirational category was a Nazi romance yeah, about a girl yeah. who's a Jew but she's a blonde Jew you know she <laughs> she pulled that lucky like, that lucky straw yeah. um, and she ends up working for a guy a Nazi and he's he's linked to the concentration camps definitely and um, ends up being his secretary and ends up falling for him and sees that he's a good man and they use the story of Esther like that Esther like marries the king and then uses her influence to get him to free the slaves. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So they use that to get her to free some Jews from concentration camps. And at the end of it, she converts to Christianity because this is the whole inspiration romance. Are wow. inspiration romances are Christian romances? Yeah. And that one, and the reason that one is because people didn't like the leading romance writers weren't voting in that category. Mm. And this one, like, was this, it would sold really well. But there's a whole subcategory of like the good Nazi romance, and it's like. I really hate that, like evil, like you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a that's not a good trope. And there's bad boys. And there's I, did, I remember there's, there's bad boys. And there's, are you actually serious? Yeah. This isn't that long ago. Like, yeah, um, yeah. But the whole thing of like yikes. making a girl who's a Jewish character convert yeah. the, the the victory, the happy ending is she's a Christian now with her Nazi boyfriend, like converting to religion and ending up converting yeah. your religion. Which it is an ancient religion with like so much history, and then you end up with a Nazi, a former Nazi. Like that's like you can't that's, that, that's, that's not, not goals. <laughs> that's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. So like I have like this, and that's what makes me uncomfortable. Being like he's not a Nazi, but like he did keep her captive, and he has done bad things. Yeah. Yeah. But then the and ga- everyone's afraid of him. Yeah, and like I know it's all happy in the end. She gets her castle and stuff, but you're still like. Mm. <laughs> he has rage issues. Like if she was like, they don't fury. just go away. Yeah, yeah. yeah like just if you fed a bird, you don't suddenly. Oh, lose I all fed your rage a bird issues. one time. That's it. <laughs> yeah, guys. twelve steps, one step bird. There yeah. you go. So I do like that's the one thing where like I loved it as a child. But as I get older, that's not the kind of love story I gravitate towards. When I'm yeah. picking up my culture, I'm just a bit like, nah. I think it's important <laughs> to be a discerning sort of. I think we talked about this before that it's it's like very important to be a discerning viewer and to kind of spend your. Cal Ryan has this bit in one of his poems about uh, spending your dollar like a vote and when you are going to the cinema and kind of choo- and or buying media or buying books choosing stuff that isn't going to sort of feed the beast oh, like, 
to, you know, without for the want of a better phrase, mom, to feed the sort of monster. <laughs> I know it sounds so bad, but like Fifty Shades of Grey. I know everyone has issues with it, but the fact that it was directed by a woman made me so excited. I was so yeah. into it. I was like, oh my God, Sam Taylor Johnson, amazing artist about to transition to movies. And the cinematography in that movie was ace. I didn't see it, but I've read all of them. Oh, like so. very good. Like there is like lots of grey in it, but great landscape. Yeah, it's so capitalist. But like, and people had an issue with the capitalism of romance, and there are people writing about like how romance, like women trade, with, like you know, they end up, they usually end up at rich men. Yeah, and the whole thing about Fifty Shades of Grey, it's like it captures that whole money, money, everything's so sleek and clean. You never see the cleaner, like almost like American Psycho. Like yeah, and it of, is yeah. like yeah. that. But it's I thought Fifty Shades of Grey did that so well. And I thought Sam Taylor Johnson, like she didn't get to say what she wanted to say in the movie. Of course not. Yeah, because. Yeah. E.L. James, James was on set yeah. Yeah. but like it could have been such an interesting if she was like, like I find when people adapt books and stories I like when they kind of rip it up a bit Yeah, like the idea of an author being on set to me is just like you're no yeah I mm. know no you yeah. sign over those rights, you take yeah. the money and you go on a <laughs> Disney cruise. Else. Go yeah. on Disney cruise, yeah. write your next book, check out the chandeliers, you're all good. So I kind of like think that I was really excited because that was a woman and I went to see it. I brought like a bunch of friends and I I went to see Belle was directed by a woman. I love Belle. Oh yeah, that's uh, that was so like good. A, a period piece with that. Uh, no, I, I, I um, heard Google, about it. Google um, Bata Raw. Oh my God, she's a, my favourite person. And like, yeah, so I think like, and I've started now because people say the rom-com is dead. Ah. everyone says this but I've started going to see like I've started going to see Bollywood movies now because they're rom-coms and like um, I remember like but the, the rom-com isn't dead it's just like white rom-coms are dead mm. but there's like, fascinating. like if yeah. you go on Netflix like there's so many like um, Jumping the Broom is one like there's um, African American rom-coms and like I've started now seeking out Bollywood rom-coms and they're really good yeah. and like now there are there was one I watched last night Hasi Tofasi and oh my god there's this um, Hindi actor um, Hindu actor Siddhartha Mal. Siddhartha Malhotra I'm probably pronouncing that completely wrong but you have to Google image him um, <laughs> he's a beautiful man <laughs> like insanely beautiful but like there's a movie where he like ends up with um, his fiance's sister but like she's kind of the black sheep of the family stole money all this sort of stuff works in China and is just like quirky and there's a bit where like she gets um, a whis- orders a whiskey in the bar and like the man serving is kind of looking at her but like they're really good and they kind of like talk about like how women in this culture is seen but there is like kind of a, a bit where they don't really understand like she's taking depressant um, medication and oh, he's wow. just like saying, oh, like the rest of us just get on with it. And it's like in the <gasps> end, like she rejects her medication. But you're Whoa. like, that would not. That's no. <laughs> that, no. <laughs> OK, I understand what you're trying to you're say here. He fixes her in like, a way and yeah. she does like still get to keep her like quirkiness. But it's like. Mm. There's so much of this good dick is a cure thing, isn't there? You know, yeah. it's like I feel like that's the only way to kind of put it. Where it's like, ah, oh, yes, this this will solve all my problems. Yeah. Cool. All, uh, all my all my religious issues gone. Grand. Yeah. All my mental health issues grand. It's fine. That's yeah. That's a that's risky right there. Yeah, it? happens a lot, though, isn't it? Yeah. In the movies, long may it continue. That's it. But yeah, so like I've started like seeking out other rom coms and yeah. stuff, and I want to see more of them. I want to see more of them med. Yeah, and I do try to go see movies directed by women as well. Yeah. Because as much as I love Quentin Tarantino, um, I don't think the world needs Zack Snyder. No. <laughs> you know? He's, that man loves Superman. That man's been given so much money. He's been given so yeah. much money to make no movies. no kissing in Batman Superman, guys. He made one, The Owls, the Guardians of Hooli or something. Did he make that? Was, was that him? 
I think that was Sucker Punch is him. Sucker Punch is the worst one I've ever seen. Yes. Yeah. And he's also now, after making the Batman movie, with Batman vs Superman, he's been given so much money. Can you imagine if you gave 10 women that money? I yeah. would have gotten 10 bells. Exact thing last yeah. Night. yeah. I said, I was sitting around going, looking at that half a billion or whatever it is. Like, if you had split that between a bunch of independent directors, you would have 10 incredible films and even better, split it between 10 women. That's an excellent point. Yeah. Think of what we would have had. But we're not going to because people will still go and see Batman Loves Superman and that is just how things are going to be. And there's 10 minutes of Wonder Woman. My husband went to see it last night and he came out. I went to see High Rise and he went to see Batman Loves Superman and we kind of came together afterwards and we're like... I was elated. Like it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, scripted written and co-directed by yeah. a woman. Um, uh, Bill, uh, is it Bill Wheatley or Ben Wheatley? Uh, his wife uh, yeah. directs it with him, and or sorry, wrote it with him and edited it with him. So it's super female gaze, and it's like, oh, it's great. And Kerry was just so kind of confused by what had just happened to him at Batman and Superman. He was just like, I don't know. I mean, it looks really expensive, and I, I don't know. Like he was, he, he's still processing. I think he's still. Kind it of looks from the trailer looks like a, like a deviant art drawing oh of God. Batman and Superman. <laughs> you know, was Amy Adams in it? I don't know. She's in it a bit. Yeah, she's oh, she, what a waste of Amy Adams. She kicks out. She gets kidnapped or in the Middle oh East or something. A woman like, getting kidnapped. Yeah, in the Middle East. Lois Lane. Like people, will people stop fucking up Lois Lane? Hang on, is Amy Adams Lois Lane? Yeah, yeah, that's. But cool. didn't Lois Lane win a Pulitzer? Like, isn't that her backstory? I think so, yeah. She's like a hard-hitting journal, like yeah. a massively famous journal. And suddenly yeah. she's like the sidekick to this guy Alien who's guy. like discerning feature in work as he wears glasses. <laughs> and he's like, basically, like, I love Lois Lane in Superman, the TV show. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, excellent. Yeah. Because he's like her assistant in it, basically. Mm. Or he works his way up and you're just like, yeah, Amy Adams is just being done a disservice by that franchise. We're never going to yeah. get a Lois Lane movie. We're never going to get it. Well, I think we are getting a Wonder Woman movie and it is being directed by a woman. Um... The it looks really a bit shite though mm. I mean I'll go and see it because I've been complaining for years about it but I, I will see it and I my, my hopes are set distinctively low but I am yeah. glad a woman is directing it I'm glad something is kind of coming of it but and I love um, a- Ava DuVernay who directed Selma she's directing yeah. a really cool sounding movie now she's about models Miss Marvel no she's, she's in a Marvel movie I think no she Marvel. was meant to do a Marvel movie is she off that? and I don't think she's doing that anymore and I think She's doing a movie about the 70s, this fashion show at Versailles with Yves Saint Laurent and all these people came together and like it was about like 10 black models were used and it was like this big controversial, th- controversial thing time and she's directing that. It's, it's called The Battle of Versailles. It was announced last week. Like, you know that's going to be excellent. excellent. Yeah. Yeah, really powerful stuff. Oh God, that'll be So good. do you think like go make the effort to go see women directed movies? Spend that one yeah. like about yeah. Okay, we should wrap this up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jean, what are your final thoughts? What are your thoughts? How do you feel about Beauty and the Beast now? Um, I watched it last night and I still think it's like a really cute movie and it's yeah. lovely. And the music is like so amazing. It's the best Disney songs, I think. I, I can, I <laughs> well, was, Hercules is well, a lot yeah, of, but lot of when bangers than Hercules. Be Our Guest started last night. I was imagining the guy writing that going, oh my God, I'm, this is gold. As yeah. he came yeah. with his first notes, I would yeah. imagine it's just how you would feel writing that. It's been amazing. It's very powerful. Yeah. So like, I'm pro Beauty and the Beast, but I would be really, really pro a Bluebeard adaptation. I want to see like a girl like kick someone's ass in an enchanted castle and rather than like put on off. the corset yeah. and show up for dinner. <laughs> yeah. So that's my thoughts. Great. Thank you so much, Jean okay, Sutton and Sarah Jean. Griffin. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> And that's the podcast. Thank you so much to Jean Sutton for being our guest. Um, read Stellar Magazine because it's really good and Jean is very good in it. Uh, follow Jean on Twitter because she's one of the best people on Twitter, in my opinion. 
And thank you also to Sarah Griffin for being my co-host. Her book, Spare and Found Parts, is out end of the year-ish. And her full columns in the Coven are excellent. So do those. Um, please subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher because it's really important and it makes a huge difference to a small fledging podcast like we are. Uh, follow us on Twitter at juvenalia underscore pod and read headstuff.org as much as you can because this is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network and it's really, really nice of them to let us do this and we appreciate it a load. Okay, that's everything. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye, 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 bye.